just investing in you and, and, and really not just investing, but self-reflecting on how you are, how you're showing up each and every day is so powerful and, and becoming a better you and, and providing more value. And, um, I, I couldn't recommend it enough and, uh, be more passionate about that. Invest in yourself. Well, that's what I did. I, uh, if you noticed, and if you're watching this in rumble or YouTube, I do have a different set of hair than in the pod video podcast. Well, my guest today is Mr. Kent Amaduri. He is a, he's an investor and he's also the founder of CrusherStreet.com. And he, he is the chief editor of that website that find that, they focus on trend analysis in the markets, but it's not just that we're, uh, we're talking about here in this uh, podcast. Um, I don't know if you're watching this on Rumble YouTube, maybe you'll see this, but if you're listening in the audio, I have in my hand here um, comic books of my two favorite superheroes. I got Iron Man and I got Superman. The Superman comic book is signed by Alex Ross. The Iron Man comic book signed by Stan Lee. Both of these comic books I purchased uh, and I had them signed by both men, not only as, a, as an investment, but as a sentimental value to me. And I believe that as time goes on, these uh, items are going to become very valuable. And we talk about this in our, our podcast today. And I'm hoping that you learn something from our conversation. I'm hoping to get Kenneth back in a future podcast episode. Um, we could dive deeper into the markets. You dive deeper into the, to the art of investments because investing is not just mathematics. People think that investment is all about uh, calculating uh, expenses, calculating cash flow. It's part of that, but you have to balance everything out. Everything in investment is, is an art. And Kenneth does a real great job of, uh, of explaining that. And what he does is specializes on is trends analysis. So uh, thank you uh, for tuning in and hope you give it a listen. Our guest today is chief editor and co-founder of CrushTheStreet.com. You could find that online. You see the sign is back, CrushTheStreet.com. It's a leading financial publication that focuses on education and trend analysis. He also founded the FMT Advisory, which is a financial management firm that manages millions in client funds. He is a uh, market analyst, and I'd like to welcome Mr. Uh, Kenneth Amaduri to the Free Mike Podcast. Hello, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to being here and chatting markets and entrepreneurship and just life in general. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to uh, get to uh, meet you because uh, I, I was I would listen to some of the financial podcasts and every now and then uh, your name will pop up uh, like in, in, in YouTube and I listen to it. one of the most interesting ones was about artificial intelligence and we'll probably get to that in a little bit. But uh, looking back uh, through my research, you started out with finance and business when, uh, when you were really young. So tell us, how did you start out in finance? Yeah. You know, it's, I'm so fascinated by just kind of what makes us who we are today. You know, the things that we deal with, the things that we're into, the things that we struggle with, what makes us, you know, go-getters, what makes us lazy. And 
I think uh, there was just a combination of things that kind of came together, you know, upbringing, uh, parents, and just a, a general interest for the markets. And something that I will say is, is I've always known, I, I always had this knowing that when you build a business, that you build it greater than you. You build it to be a machine that operates beyond your, your input. Like it, it, you start to move the needle uh, and, and you're leveraging so much more of, you know, whether it's other people's time or efforts and talents and patents and just real estate. And, you know, you, you start doing a lot more good out there, which is what business is. When you put more good out into the world, you, you know, you, you give more than you receive and you, you grow, right? That's, that's business. That's entrepreneurship. And I can tell you, I was very grateful to start that at a young age. And time is one of those important things when it comes to entrepreneurs is you strike while the iron's hot, you do it early in the game. And, you know, you'd be surprised like, like Tony Robbins has a quote that I love. He talks about uh, most people overestimate what they can do in a year, but underestimate what they can do in a decade. And you realize like when you look back over the last 10 years, like how much you've done, how much you've, you've changed in your, your, how much you've grown. And it just so much can take place, but you got to get started. And, and now, and, and so I started uh, very young. My parents in, inspired me to uh, save money, invest money. And I mean, I was selling candy in school when I was like in, you know, in middle school and in, in high school. And I, I mean, I was, I was, was running around with uh, realtors during my high school years, just watching them sell real estate. And it's just all of this fascinated me. I knew I wanted to, to start a business. And once I can get that momentum going, I can make it grow from there rather than just tread water. And that was what kind of led me to, to what I do. I mean, I, I'm invested in real estate and, and stocks. I follow money trends. You know, I, I'm in investor relations. I partner with different companies and get involved with early stage companies. And, um, you know, and, and we follow trends. That's, that's one of the things we do. That's uh, fascinating. And um, did, 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 you, um, did you focus uh, primarily on finance and real estate uh, when you started out? Or, or did it just kind of, uh, do you find, find, just found your way there one day and you were like, you know what, I'm actually really good at this. And, and you know, yeah. I'll just you know, take a dive. You know, I, I think real estate was just an easy, not easy, I guess, easy for me to understand and a way for me to get exposure to business. But, you know, that was another thing that I, I had no preference in terms of business when I was younger. I, I knew I was in love with the idea of building the machine of a business. I didn't care if it was a tree trimming service or what, you know, an investor relations company, uh, so a modeling plant, like, I just, I knew I wanted to build a business or, you know, whether it's a real estate portfolio where I'm buying homes and fixing them up and people are renting and buying multiple ones. Like I, I loved the process building the machine and it, I mean, obviously it helps to have a passion for something and something you can get behind because, you know, you can get miserable. But for me, you know, I was always looking for, you know, I guess the goal to have some financial freedom and freedom of my time and to be able to do things I love like golf or whatever, spend time with my family. So however I could figure that out, I guess I didn't matter to me. So, uh, seems, so I really, like for me, I really love the process, the, the building of a yeah. business. That's what 
what attracted me. But a lot of people are creative. They're artistic. So they go down paths that they love. They become actors or musicians. And then that's the becomes their business. And they build a business around their passion, which is fine too. But we all have different personalities. We all have different, um, you know, roads that lead us to where we're, where we're going. It seems to me that you're really focused on building what's, uh, what was told to me, building value. Uh, you know, you build a source of value to kind of, you know, and that's how it rewards you in return. And that, that's uh, kind of a fascinating su uh, subject. And that, that's what it was one of the things that uh, was always instilled to me when I was younger also. You want, you want some, the world doesn't owe you anything. My dad always told me, you got to build it for yourself. And when you build it, you know, they will come. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I want to ask you, like, what is your advice, basically? Uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of young people out there right now who are looking into your portfolios or starting out their careers. You know, um, how do they... Uh, how how would they how would they start off in this kind of market right now? Well, what 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 do you see in the market at the at the moment? Do you, do you think we're kind of in a bubble or kind of, you know, you think it's a good time to to jump in? Yeah, well, I think any one given time is a rough time to go all in on anything. You know, wh whether a hundred percent of your portfolio at any given time can be a very very volatile experience, no matter when that is. I mean. 2018, getting into stocks and then dealing with the end and, you know, watching your stocks pull back 20%, that could be a bit of a gut-wrenching moment. But since 2018, you know, markets have gone parabolic. Uh, and so, you know, just having that diversified approach, I like, you know, being invested uh, a portion in the stock market. I like having precious metals. I think cryptocurrency is a great place to have some of your money and real estate. Uh, but all of these things have gone up to a certain degree. So you have to be open to the fact that, hey, it might be time for a big pullback in these areas, especially in things like stocks and, and real estate and, and even crypto that have gone up so much in the last year, a crazy amount. Um, but, I, you know, and we can get into it if you like, but I tend to think that the dollar is what is getting uh, devalued in this environment. When you have trillions of dollars getting printed the government acting recklessly, businesses not operating, and you know the government printing money into oblivion, you have an issue with the fundamental value of that currency longer term. And so a hedge against that would be something, in my opinion, like gold and silver, or even companies that can charge more. If, if let's say uh, the value of the dollar goes down, Coca-Cola needs to start charging more for their product than they did a year ago or two years ago. So that will get reflected in the stock price. Same thing with something like, uh, you know, fuel or, you know, Chevron and uh, Exxon uh, oil companies. I mean, these are companies that have to charge more as things, you know, as the dollar goes down. So, you know, people think owning stocks is, is owning a dollar denominated asset, but that's not true. These are, these are, in my opinion, hedges, against inflation. And, and in a general sense, I believe being out of the dollar is our best bet going forward here. Uh, because look what happened even in real estate over the last 10 years, they printed money, they've kept interest rates really low. And they've done all these different things. And real estate and stocks have gone through the roof. Now, if you didn't own any of that during this time, you know, now you have to buy at much higher prices. Now, maybe, you know, we get to a point where, you know, we see a big correction, a big crash, which is definitely on the table. 
Uh, but it's so hard to time that. But, you know, and so they've, they always talk about, you know, the government and um, the wealthy, you know, 1% of 1% making all the money. Why is that? That's because they own assets and everything, the dollar is dropping in relation to those assets. When they send out these stimulus checks and, you know, people spend their thousand dollars at Nike, what do you think is going to happen to Nike stock? Yeah, those, those company representatives and CEOs and, you know, just people in general who own, you know, millions of dollars of stock, that's going to go up in value for them much more than a thousand dollar check will, will do any good for them. So, yeah, it's, um, it's, a, it's a very nuanced thing. So in a general sense, you got to be out of dollars. That's my biggest general advice for people. You need to be in stock. I mean, shoot, own pieces of art or collectible cars, if you know what you're doing. Obviously, that's something that you need to be specialized in. But I mean, we've seen even cars go up astronomically over the last few years. Art has gone up like crazy if you had the right pieces. So, I mean, it's, you know, yeah. in a general sense, you need to be out of dollars. Yeah. As you can see behind me, I have, uh, I invested in a, uh, an autograph of Stan Lee <laughs> some years back. And uh, my friends thought I was crazy, you know, and yeah. I was like, oh, why are you trying to chase this old guy? And I, now I have three of his uh, signatures. But uh, I think I thought that was pretty valuable because now, you know, unfortunately, he has passed away, and that all those has increased in value. But yeah. uh, other than that, the reason I was asking that is because um, when I first first um, when I was first looking for a somebody who a uh, financial expert, I was uh, we were inundated with the news with the Wall Street bets and the GameStop thing and this whole thing. It just kind of reminded me because a lot of these people who are going into like the stock market, like, and I would look at these forums. A lot of them are thinking, oh, man, I'm, I'm going to ride the wave right now and go to the moon and, you know, cash out. And a lot of them did. But it really reminded me of 2007, 2008, when a lot of people were putting their money in real estate, you know, and mm -hmm. you mentioned real estate right now. And, you, you know, um, I'm based in Dallas. I'm you're probably uh, you're probably well aware this is sellers market right now in Dallas Fort Worth. Uh, you could sell your house, uh, you know, at 50% of the value that you bought it five years ago <laughs> and you, you're not gonna be able to buy it again because people are going to be, uh, you know, they can be uh, putting a higher bid. Uh, what do you say? Yeah. Well, and that's a, that's also a local area too. Texas is getting, uh, floods of people from places like California and New York, which have politics that are destroying the local economies. And so people are moving to areas that, you know, they can afford and, and are, are a little freer. But, you know, Texas is trending in a lot of those directions as well, unfortunately. I mean, I live outside of Austin and, and it's a homeless, you know, nightmare down here with the politics that, that and, you know, it's becoming a vacuum, right? I mean, every, all the Dallas uh, uh, politicians, are, they're sending their homeless people to Austin. Like, you guys take them. <laughs> so, um but anyways, yeah, enough said on that. It's just, uh, yeah, so, so what I meant by that is it's not just an overall you know, nationwide thing. Texas has got a, a lot of things going for it because you have mass migrations out of states like California, which are causing prices to go through the roof here, which is absolutely uh, incredible uh, on top of the devaluation of the currency. So, but I mean, it's a function of, you know, the government sustaining things artificially, you know, people aren't allowed to get evicted. 
they're sending checks so people can pay their rent. Maybe they, when they sh otherwise shouldn't be able to. So, you know, that's keeping prices artificially high. And when you have uh, prices moving in a certain direction, it creates more momentum because there's that fear of missing out. You know, now people are buying maybe when they otherwise wouldn't have just because they don't know what's going to happen next month or the month after. So you have this almost artificial buying going on as well because people are, are rushing to buy. They're overpaying. And that's what's happening in the stock market. That's what's happening in real estate. And you're right. How long can that all go on for? And I can tell you in what we do, I mean, we have relationships with, you know, hundreds of different YouTubers and people we, that do podcasts. And we're seeing uh, almost everyone across the board see their viewership collapse with just stocks in over the last few weeks, just few weeks, not even like, I'm not talking about a six month trend. I'm talking about six weeks, uh, absolute stocks flatline and their viewership has collapsed. People that were getting 15,000 views, you know, some of their people may have lost some money in Tesla and ARK and some of these, uh, uh, you know, EV company funds and, and whatnot. And they're down, they're down 30%, you know, 25%. And, and the enthusiasm from the retail crowd, these, all these millennials that have been wanting to invest in the stock market, it's being sucked dry. And we haven't even seen a correction much in the stock market. It hasn't even, but we've seen in some of the, the hyped stocks, the ones that got everyone's attention, the one that sucked people in, the, the IPOs, the Airbnbs, we've seen these correct just a little. And the enthusiasm, the hype of the stock market has absolutely collapsed. And we're seeing that on the content side with a lot of the, the YouTube creators. Uh, now, mainstream, it's fine. I mean, stocks are still up pretty big, but I mean, we're kind of seeing some of the signs of a turnaround here, which could potentially be on the horizon. I mean, we know eventually it's going to have to pull back big. I mean, we've seen the most historic bull market ever over the past 11 years, ever. And the end is always the blow off top. It always yeah. happens. Yeah. I just, uh, I was just listening to Larry Kudlow actually, uh, right before you came on and he was saying that we could, it looks like we could be looking at the bull market kind of in, in the mainstream stocks. Um, I do want to ask though, how do you pick your winners and losers in this, in this environment? Yeah. Well, it's one of those, uh, situations where you have to, I, I try not to chase what's hot, if you will. I mean, we were, we were buying Bitcoin when it was hated. You know, we owned Bitcoin when it was $800 in, in 2016, 20, going into 2017. And, you know, we wrote it, you know, and then you have all everyone asking you when Bitcoin is 15,000, how they can buy. Same thing now when Bitcoin got to 50, people are like, well, I guess I should put 5% of my portfolio into crypto now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is the type of stuff that is realistically happening. People that, said uh, they hate it when it was 10,000 or they don't understand it. They don't, they think it's whatever, but then, you know, when it's in the news every day and they're going, wow, I guess it, it is something. Uh, yeah, sure. Now it's proven, but you know, they've missed the boat. You know, they would have been much better off having that opinion when it was much more uh, of in the, in the hated news. And so, you know, we try to pick things that are underloved. I mean, I think gold and silver right now, 
gold, gold and silver at a higher low. I mean, it's not at a low. We've seen it come off its 2015 low of, of $1,000, gold specifically. Uh, but so it's come up, but you know, it's down from $2,000, you know, and, and gold should have a, a huge run here, in my opinion, especially as the dollar continues to fade. I mean, gold is, and silver are probably one of the most underloved things in the market right now. I think oil is another area. You know, I think Exxon and Chevron, I mean, the dividends they're paying, you know, you kind of got the, the Biden administration doing what they're doing. You know, there's, there was a lot of talk about ele electric vehicles and, you know, that, that obviously took market share from oil, but I don't think oil's going anywhere. So I think that's an underloved portion of the market. And so uh, that's what we do. We look for areas in, in which maybe seeing some uh, misallocation of funds, they're not getting the love it needs. And that's what we try to allocate. Uh, and, and again, not to be completely mistrends. I mean, we were part, we wrote the crypto boom. I mean, this has been a life-changing year uh, for me riding Bitcoin, you know, over 50,000, you know, seeing what Ethereum's doing. And I mean, who knows? We could see Bitcoin go to 100 or, or 200,000. But again, now is not necessarily the time to be like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going all in because I think it's going to a million. I mean, we've got a massive move here. You know, you got to be real careful in these type of environments and understand that that asset classes that move like this can be extremely volatile. You know, let's say $10,000 is a solid number for somebody. You know, if you put $10,000 in Bitcoin, you can easily see it go to seven, $6,000 in, in a very short period of time. And you've got to be able to stomach that. And that's, that's the hard part about these volatile sectors. I mean, you know, that's why you diversify and, and you kind of accept that there's going to be like casualties in the long term and hold on for the long term and stick to your convictions. Yeah, well, the market doesn't care about like, you know, anybody's convictions and it just it just is. Um, and I remember um, one of the uh, pro uh, proponents of gold. Uh, I don't know if you know him as Peter Schiff. I actually used to listen to him. Uh, anyway, I like Peter a lot, but he hates Bitcoin. And yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, like he he uh, he. You know, I, I I actually learned a lot from him back in the day, and I learned about you know how, how not to chase the uh, the crowd basically. Uh, but uh, he I he, I think completely missed the boat on the on the Bitcoin Bitcoin boom. Um, well, I, and it's not that I think he's I how, sh how should I put this. I, I think his concerns are fair, but you have to be open to the fact that there's going to be more buyers and sellers in something. And he missed the fact that it was going to be adopted the way it has been. You know what I mean? Like, okay, sure. Bitcoin could be duplicated. So in theory, is it finite? Well, you know, not the uh, Bitcoin itself is finite, but if you have a million other competitors, in, in theory, it's not finite, right? It's not tangible like it is gold. And but he missed the fact that this was a first mover, the network effect, the amount of people that are supporting the network. And it is what it is. Like, you know, you keep talking about how it crashes from 50 or 60,000 to 50,000 and saying why that's not a store of value. Okay, well, yeah, I guess if you if you just heard of Bitcoin and you you look at that, but he's been saying that since Bitcoin was $100. Like, you know, seriously, like you can't keep just talking about the crash from 100 to 90,000. You know what I mean? Like like how disingenuous is that? 
Yeah, I totally get it. Um, I remember when Bitcoin was still three hundred dollars, and that's when I bought in. <laughs> now look at it now. For you. <laughs> yeah, but that you know, uh, I sold when it was about a thousand. So yeah, that, but it's hard. I mean, I, yeah. I look. You guys, I wish I would have bought uh, a lot more at ten and went into a coma. So, uh, but uh, yeah. What do you see is the the future of like uh, of of the economy here in the United States. I mean, we were talking about like, you know, uh, there's a lot of changes, a lot of uh, policy changes right now with the Biden administration. Um, do you think uh, right now uh, the economy is going to, is going through, going to go through a rough time uh, or is it, is it prime for us to find some sort of opportunity in this kind of market? Yeah. Opportunities. Absolutely. Um, but you, I think there's definitely, I mean, I, I t if we're going to get it political or whatnot, I think politics tie into finance, but I think we're going to continue to see more and more tyrannical uh, aspects coming from our government. I mean, we're seeing that now, which is what the, the unthinkable happened with COVID and, and just what they've done to the entire world, locked them down. I mean, I'm not even comfortable getting on an airplane now uh, to fly somewhere. I don't know if they're going to, you know, arrest me when I get there and, you know, put me in a, some government hotel because, you know, whatever they, they uh, about those uh, COVID country and there was news that there someone had COVID there. And here we go. I'm on an airplane and I was indirectly exposed. And I mean, who knows what, what can happen in this world? I mean, and, and it's crazy how we've gone down this rabbit hole now. And one thing that I, it's interesting how the elites, the government, what they do these things, they, as they, as people become more dependent on the government, uh, they make themselves more needed. You know, the government becomes more needed. And, you know, that's why we're going to have things like universal basic income. And we're already seeing that with these stimulus checks. It's not called that. And it's not like this perpetual indefinite thing, but that's what they're starting to propose. And, you know, when people, they get these checks from the government, it's instant gratification. It's not they don't understand. I mean, I, I, I think a lot of people do understand. They, they know it's not sustainable, but in the moment, they're like, all right, I'll take that check and go to Disney World, you know, or whatever. I'll pay my rent with it. Or it's, it feels good to get this free money from the government, but, you know, they're not going to understand why they can't afford a house in 10 years. They, they don't have the same standard of living that their parents had and why, you know, it's so expensive to do anything because, they literally are destroying the middle class in this country with uh, the way that they're printing and spending money. And I think that's a trend. I mean, uh, that's, you know, what you're going to see is wealthy people own the majority of the houses like the, you know, you're going to have see lower home ownership because it's just going to be out of reach for the average person to own a home. It's going to be owned by hedge funds and, you know, big money. And, and, and they're going to keep, it's just going to be out of reach. And there's countries like that where you just don't own homes because it's just too expensive. Everybody rents and they're owned by the, the biggest money in the, in the country. And that was not the case in the United States, but we're continuing to trend that direction. And so uh, people have to be ready for that. And I don't think people are, people are still going to take the drug, the easy money and the, the path of least resistance, because, you know, again, the, the long-term, Deferred gratification is hard. It's an uphill road. The path of least resistance is easy, and it's it's now. It's it's uh, what can I what can I get? Well, you know that's why. Again, not to get too political on your channel, but that's why the left tends to 
just to be easy to align with because they're they're so willing to give stuff out and you know open the borders open this open that you're, you're gonna get money from us and well that's the- why a lot of people align with that you know without thinking about it and it, it's an uphill battle to defer gratification and to build something sustainable over the long term well, those of us who kind of study this kind of classically, you know, like, you know, we talk about left and right and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, about, I know. I, yeah. I know. And those of us who talk about you know, like, especially left wing politics, they, these are the kind of people who kind of don't kind of want to do away with private property and all this stuff. I mean, so mm-hmm. with what you're kind of describing, it's kind of, do you see it kind of trending that way where, where we're kind of losing property, kind of losing our hold on private property? Yeah. Well, they're now they're talking about a global tax. A global wealth tax, you know it, what I mean, and and yeah. so you, you're losing your property in in that sense. Now, um, you know they start off a little bit, you know, and they chip away at our freedoms. They and, and start slow, and, and it, it ramps up. I mean, one of the ways, you know, and, and an example of this, an indirect example of this, is look at the way the media has started censoring uh, conservative thought, you know, and they start off with the crazy guy. They start off with Alex Jones, who people just write off. Well, it's just Alex Jones. He's, he says things that are crazy. He gets angry, but then they went down the line and now they started to censor the white house press secretary and uh, you know, the New York post, very mainstream, but, but they started doing it and they go, went down YouTube channels, you know, alt right YouTube channels. And well, recently they, they uh... people, Recently, Facebook. Uh, recently, Facebook. I think actually censored uh, President, former President Trump, just because he had his voice on on uh, a show. Yeah, I right, think it was actually right. his daughter-in-law. That, you're right. You're that right. That is I, crazy. I, I, do, I do remember that. Yeah, it was just like a week ago or so. Yeah. So, and just an example of how they they slowly condition us to to be accustomed to their. Um, to their ways, their tyranny, and uh, and to where everyone's just accepting of it, and it's con- it's a conditioning. Uh, not to get too conspiratorial, but it really is. I mean, and, and we live in a world of where conspiracies have become facts. I mean, it, well, it, 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 there's no other way to put it. We live in that type of world right now, and you just see that on the news. The police are at the church, and the the, the pastors like screaming at them, and like, "Hey, get out of here! You guys are like." You know, and I mean, I know the police were just doing their job. I don't know if they had this evil intention, you know, but maybe they got probably their orders from up above, but that's kind of where things are trending. And and there's a large portion of the population that's okay with this. You know, now that we're kind of in this, in this thread, uh, you kind of remind me, you know, uh, so there is a graph out there. Um, The guy who was, was talking about this recently is Tim pool. I don't know if you, uh, familiar with the uh, Tim Pool's work. Uh, he runs a, a podcast called Tim Cass IRL. I actually do recommend um, like mm. people to watch that, but he calls this kind of era right now during the pandemic, the greatest transfer of wealth from the working class, especially American working class to the elites, to so the top 0.1%. And he actually shows like the, the trends and, and the research of what go, of how this has, has uh, gone through where a lot of people have lost so much of their jobs and and now, uh, as you were talking about, like you know, this global tax. Uh, I, I'm familiar with what's going on, like with the talks in Davos recently, where about this thing called the Great Reset. Are, are you familiar with that? I, to a degree, yes, yes, I am. Yeah, they they would say that. I think one one of the most famous quotes that came out of this was, 
you will own nothing and yeah. you will be happy. Yeah. I, I just don't know what to think about this world we're living in. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's, I, I try not to be pessimistic. I mean, I started this interview off with a Tony Robbins quote, like I love, <laughs> you know, just being uh, happy and loving and, and just wanting to give and just optimistic. And it's so powerful for who we are as a person, how we're going to wake up and show up to, uh, the things that we do in our life, but it's it, overall, we have an infestation that's very, very toxic for the long-term fundamentals. Like, I don't think we're going to have, I think our country's trending and it's happening so quickly. It's not even in it happening over the course of 10 years now. It's happening quickly in the matter of months. And, and I mean, super fast. So yeah, I, we'll, we'll see. We'll see well, how things look here. But you know, one thing as far as um, preparing, you know, you, you do what you can, you diversify, you spread out your funds, you have some cash and you have some gold, you have some silver, have some at your home. Obviously you should have some food storage. I think that's important too. I mean, you know, we dealt with that big freeze here in Texas uh, not too long ago, everyone's going out and, you know, preparing a little bit, obviously what happened last year was a reminder with COVID to have some, some food supply and, and to watch the supply chain shut down. Uh, but just also know that there's going to be some casualties along the way. Like you're not going to be able to perfectly optimize your finances uh, in any situation. You may miss out on the upside. That's another thing that people don't consider. They're always looking to like preserve their downside, but you know, going back to what we've seen in stocks and in real estate, a lot of people missed out on the upside, which is a loss too, right? You know, everyone's trying to protect themselves from a crash, but are you better off riding it all the way up? And then, oh, if I, if I, you know, and crash to where you would have bought it or, you know, crashes above where you would have bought it. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like, yeah. You know, and so you, you have to just accept a certain amount of casualties along the way. Uh, on the upside and the downside and, you know, be balanced in that approach. The importance of keeping up our, our resilience in this time, you know, uh, our strengths are to, in encouraging ourselves not to fall into this trap and just keep doing our, re our research, keep learning every day. I think it's very important, you know, and, you know, I, I know we've kind of gotten down a little bit more in the political dark path. But I appreciate you uh, coming here and giving us the encouragement, you know, because that, uh, that's one of, one of the things that I, uh, one of the reasons I actually started this podcast is I want to connect people uh, to something positive, people who are changing the world, changing uh, the society and giving that positive push. Um, because I come from the healthcare world and the political world, and both are, to me, are very negative worlds. You know, I want, I want to do something positive and, um, and I appreciate you coming to my podcast today. Um, and, and, you know, uh, which reminds me, you, you were, we're talking about it a little bit uh, about, about there's some losses and job losses on the way. And one of the things that uh, actually that kind of struck me, uh, I listened to one of your interviews of some a uh, couple of years back, and uh, it kind of sparked a, a debate between our friends and me at the time. And that was regarding AI. Uh, artificial intelligence. And I know you know quite a bit, a lot about this subject. Um, and uh, one of the things that I was concerned about is like, well, if AI is going to, you know, take over a lot of the uh, job industries, uh, let's say trucking, for example, well, what are we going to do with all these truckers? So, you know, and, and say my friends who are also in, you know, kind of 
we're bantering back and forth, kind of, you know, like throw back at me, oh, they got to learn how to do code and all these other things. Uh, do you still hold the same opinion about artificial intelligence today as you did a couple of years ago? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, uh, it was kind of a media trend uh, at the time, but so maybe it wasn't happening as quickly as it was all uh, being hyped up in a way, but it's all happening. I mean, look at the cars we're driving. The cars are essentially driving themselves. Um, you know, these the AlphaGo project where, you know, it, it can play the game Go. And, you know, there's more combinations of that than there are like, you know, tens of thousands of combinations. And, you know, it plays itself 10,000 times and it's now uh, beating the best, uh, you know, the, the, the most experienced human at that game. I mean, you have to think about the implications of that, you know, what that's going to mean. And it's going to happen not because people want it to happen. It's going to happen out of competition. You're going to get uh, priced out if you're not using AI, if that makes sense. Like things, people using AI are going to be more competitive. They're going to do things cheaper. And so, Sure, you can say, oh, I'm going to be the good Samaritan. I'm going to continue to hire truck drivers. But what happens when you're able to deliver? You're not going to be able to compete with somebody else who's saying, I'm having a, a robot drive everything for half the price. Well, that's, that's, not, that's going to put you out of business because you're going to stop getting hired you know, unless you have a real personalized niche. I mean, and, not, and there is going to be that as well. I mean, people are going to have boutique services and, you know, you interacting with a human, but that's, what's going to cause, it's going to cause things to get more competitive and, and it's going to change that environment, but incorporating artificial intelligence into the world that we, uh, we live in. I mean, that's going to be huge, you know, and every business is different. I mean, it's not a one size fits all, but uh, we're definitely going to see that, you know, technology has always revolutionized the way we do business and those who refuse to acknowledge it will get left behind. I mean, it's the Netflix and, and the blockbuster it's, it's technology. It's, it's AI basically, you know, I mean, on the computers that are delivering these, these movies to people. I mean, there's a degree of AI going on, you know, look at what's going on with Airbnb, you know, they've turned uh, just people's homes into hotel rooms, you know, coordinating tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of transactions every single day uh, using artificial intelligence. And yeah, that's a problem for hotels. And, you know, obviously we've seen what happened to taxis. You know, they're really pissed off at what Uber has done to them um, with technology. And so if you fail to move, move forward with technology, you're going to get left behind unless you're the government and you just got a, an iron fist that you force your, <laughs> force your business, your 10-year-old, uh, outdated business plan on. Well, it's kind of funny you said that because uh, during in that argument, I was uh, a bit more on the conservative side of the, of the argument. You know, uh, for the truck drivers, for you know, for the for the workers. But at the same time, I actually heavily invested in uh, companies that heavily invested in their AI R and D, and that actually has been my biggest gains in the past year and a half. So, just putting out there, you know, there is uh, something to that. But um, I think we're about uh, getting to our close here. I do want to ask you one more question before we go. And I really thank you for coming today. I really appreciate you for taking your time. Um, my last question here for you today, what is the most useful advice that's ever been given to you? 
Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, it's a, it's a loaded nuanced question, but I, I really think it's, it's, uh, it has to be investing in yourself and me. And, and it, I know that's probably cliche, but uh, it's amazing how so much of who we are comes out in how we do business, how we interact with people, how we show up. Um, I'm a, you know, I selfishly, I love to golf. I love to play golf, but I use that experience of being on the golf course, interacting with people, failing, uh, being behind, having to compete, uh, having to perform under pressure in front of people. You know, golf is one of those sports where, you know, you can be when you're being watched. I mean, your whole swing, the smallest move of the needle causes you to hit a ball straight or a uh, hundred yards to the right. And it gets down into your nervous system. And so I learn a tremendous amount about myself uh, how I perform on the golf course and it comes out in how I show up for business, how I show up for work, how I perform under pressure. And I can tell you just investing in you and, and, and really not just investing, but self-reflecting on how you are, how you're showing up each and every day is so powerful and, and becoming a better you and, and providing more value and, um, I, I couldn't recommend it enough and uh, be more passionate about that. Well, let's end it there. Okay, Mr. Kenneth Amaduri of CrusherStreet.com. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Michael. 